Hello, and welcome to the Executive Health Show, where we guide executives to prioritize their health and wellness to maximize productivity, longevity, and mental acuity. I'm your host, Wade Foster. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Executive Health Show. Today we are going to be discussing all things resting heart rate. So the reason for this episode is on the back of the uh, 50, uh, 50 challenge in my previous episode. A lot of people were kind of uh, sent me emails and LinkedIn messages around questions around kind of um, different areas of that challenge and i'm going to do kind of a bit of a series now on a deep dive into all of the areas um that take part in that challenge and a bit more information on them uh why they're important how to improve them and so on and so forth so the first one that i wanted to dive into for you all is resting heart rate it's something I'm sure we all have heard of and all know the basics about. But today we're going to dive into just a bit more, a bit more science about resting heart rate, why it's vital for longevity, performance, and health, and how we can look to optimize it. So, firstly, what is resting heart rate? Well, resting heart rate is simply the number of times your heart beats per minute while you are at rest okay so not while we're doing any form of activity while we are at rest it provides a good snapshot of your sleep quality your recovery your stress response your activity level and your overall health that is why it is one of the most important numbers to track because it provides such a clear snapshot of so many factors when it comes to health. Sleep, recovery, stress, activity, and overall health. Now, this is where things get a little bit interesting and why I have a bit of a pet peeve, which you guys, regular listeners, will know, about the modern medical system. So, the modern medical system will say a good heart rate resting heart rate is anywhere between sort of 70 and 100 for an adult okay that is wrong that is incorrect there was a um uh, a medical journal done by um open heart which has found that men in their 50s who have a resting heart rate of 75 beats per minute or higher are twice as likely to die of heart disease within the next 10 years compared to peers with a resting heart rate of 55 beats per minute or fewer. So medical government guidelines of a heart rate between 70 resting heart rate of between 70 100 they're saying you ah you're okay you are twice as likely to die of a heart attack if you have a resting heart rate of over 75 beats per minute than someone compared to a 55 beats per minute 
So it is vitally, vitally important that we lower our resting heart rate. It is one of the most important things to do. So that's what we're going to be going through today, helping you figure out how we can lower this. So the first thing that is the easiest thing to understand is how do we track resting heart rate? How do we, how can we monitor it? How can we track resting heart rate? So there's generally two, two ways to track your resting heart rate. First is obviously with a good heart rate monitor. This can be with um, Aura that I use, Aura rings, uh, Whoop bands, could be with a heart rate monitor bands, could be with sometimes your Apple Watch, your Garmin, and so on and so forth. Uh, they can all track your heart rate and your resting heart rate, which is a good, good thing to kind of use and track with. So I recommend any of those. Uh, you can do it manually, obviously, you know, whether you put your fingers on your neck or fingers on your pulse and try and count. Obviously, that has some human error. So I would generally always go for a wearable. That's one of the main important things you want to do. Now, diving into again on the importance of resting heart rate, which we touched on the longevity side of things, but a lower resting heart rate in the long term is a great sign of overall health and performance and recovery and stress management and so on and so forth. A higher resting heart rate can indicate high stress, poor eating patterns, poor exercise habits, poor health, poor heart health, and so on and so forth. So we really want to be monitoring that resting heart rate. And I am pushing it around that 75. I think if you've got a resting heart rate of over 75, that's poor health. And you need to do something too important. So why is a lower resting heart rate a good sign? Well, Let's think about this um, in terms of, of, of science, right? So with each heartbeat, your body uses oxygen-rich blood collected from your lungs to support functions throughout the body. When your resting heart rate lowers over time, each heartbeat becomes more efficient and more effective. This allows your body to accomplish the same amount of work necessary to run and to function with less effort so as your heart becomes more efficient you're able to do more without increasing your heart rate allowing your body to take on less strain okay and with this less strain your body moves closer and closer to the parasympathetic state a rest and recovery state the more that your parasympathetic nervous system dominates, the more room there is for your sympathetic nervous system to come into action when needed. This might be during exercise, uh, when you give a presentation, when you've got an interview, if you get mugged, um, <laughs> etc etc we want our nervous system to be on our side we want to be parasympathetic dominant and be able to utilize our sympathetic nervous system when we need it which is our fight our flight mode our high stress mode we don't want to be sympathetic dominant be overly charged and overly stressed 
and a lower resting heart rate is an incredibly good sign that we are parasympathetic dominant. So now moving on to kind of a bit more information regarding regarding kind of resting heart rate and so on and so forth. So when it comes to resting heart rate, we want to be paying attention to a few reasons around influences of your resting heart rate. So resting heart rate is affected by a number of things. Obviously, cardiovascular fitness is going to be is going to be a big one, is going to be a key one. Also, things like consistent bedtime, alcohol consumption, hydration, overhydration levels, um, smoking, caffeine intake, uh, intense training, right? Uh, and then there can be other factors like illness, your age, any medications that you're on. Gender does affect it. Hormones affect it. Emotions and stress. There's so many things that affect resting heart rate. So we need to be able to pay attention to resting heart rate and what's affecting it so we can really and ultimately optimize how we can improve our resting heart rate. So firstly, we're going to be looking into, obviously, the exercise side of things. So we have to do two forms of exercise. We have to do a form of strength training and we have to do a form of cardiovascular training. Don't overly mind how you take those on. It could be running, swimming, cycling, rowing, etc. Strength training could be just machines in the gym, could be body weight training, um, could be CrossFit, could be bodybuilding style training could be powerlifting um could be sports specific training could just be general strength training in a gym it doesn't matter how you do it but we need to do both to improve our resting heart rate the way that i would look at it is we want to be doing roughly 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular training and we want to be doing between Again, 120 to 180 minutes of strength training a week. That's going to be the ideal scenario for everyone, which is probably looking at three cardiovascular sessions, three strength training sessions. It's going to be the most optimal that we can do to really start improving our health and our resting heart rate. I would also look to add in some high-intensity stuff on one of the, the cardiovascular days. Um, VO2 max training, which is going to be a different... Um, podcast in the series um, but some VO2 max training four minutes on four minutes off is going to be vitally important for improving your resting heart rate next then looking into consistent bedtime so I half on about sleep you guys are probably sick of me talking about sleep and bedtime but research has found that going to bed even 30 minutes later than your usual bedtime can lead to significantly higher resting heart rate so we must look to keep a consistent bedtime. Something silly. We force our children to do it, right? And then at some point, maybe during rebellious late teenage years, we get out of sync of having a bedtime. One of the best things you can do for your body is having a consistent bedtime, finding that sweet spot for you. Ideally, now if you're being in an ideal world, ideal world, your bedtime would actually be nine hours 
before you need to wake up in the morning. In an ideal world, if everything was perfect, because nine hours in bed doesn't equate to nine hours of sleep. We all know that there's going to be a latency period. We're going to wake up a few times. It's like even perfect, the body wakes up in time. So if you want to get a good eight hours of sleep, you probably need to be in bed for about nine hours. So we want a consistent bedtime, ideally nine hours before we have to wake up in the morning, but that's that's just me being kind of a perfectionist there. Like, just a consistent bedtime is going to be the most important thing. Next, alcohol. I touch on alcohol a fair bit, as you all know. I love a drink, especially whiskey and wine. You know, as uh, Christmas is coming up. Um, but even a single drink, and for anyone who has an aura ring or start tracking, you can really see this so clearly in the data. Even a single drink can impact your resting heart rate. In one study, consuming one single drink resulted in, on average, a five beat per minute elevation in heart rate over the course of the next six hours. While two uh, or more drinks showed an even more pronounced heart rate increase for a 24 hour period. So alcohol makes your heart work harder. The harder your heart works, the more likelihood of cardiovascular disease and issues and heart attacks. So alcohol, as much as I love it and as much as I do consume it, we need to not have it as often. Looking at hydration. So studies have shown that even mild dehydration can lead to an increase in resting heart rate. Now, dehydration is an interesting topic because a lot of people don't know how much they should be drinking. Um, it's not eight glasses. Again, eight, eight glasses a day is good, but there's what scientific merit is behind eight glasses. Generally, a very, very good way to, to get your proper adequate hydration levels, half your body weight in ounces. So if you are a 200-pound male, you should be looking to drink 100 ounces of water a day. I rarely, even with clients, if you're over 200 pounds, I rarely push people to more than 100 ounces of water a day. 100 ounces of water a day would be kind of a top-line limit. Um, but generally, as a rule of thumb, you need to consume at least half your body weight in ounces of water a day to hit sufficient hydration targets. Other factors, obviously, that we've touched on that effect is going to be smoking. And this smoking and, caffe and caffeine kind of rule into one. So nicotine and caffeine are both stimulants. They both activate your nervous system and increase your resting heart rate. At times, these are going to be awesome, right? When we need we need boosts. Nicotine is a fantastic, um, let's say, supplement uh, that is going to help with focus and so on and so forth. I wouldn't get it in the form of smoking a cigarette. I personally would take nicotine gum uh, as a way to help with concentration. Nicotine is fantastic for um, focus and alertiveness. Same with caffeine, fantastic for alertiveness. Um, but they can both interfere with your ability to wind down before bed. So you generally want, I would suggest, at least a 10-hour kind of cutoff of nicotine and caffeine um, to not affect your resting heart rate overnight. Then when we're looking into a few other factors, so obviously as we get older, our resting heart rate, it's, it's harder to maintain a low resting heart rate. It's not impossible, but we obviously need to train more importantly when we're getting older to ensure that we keep a resting heart rate, a low resting heart rate. 
Uh, when you're ill, you will see a big spike in your resting heart rate because uh, your body is fighting off an infection or like the illness or the flu, etc. Um, so your body's working harder. So having these trackers is a very good way to indicate um, if you are ill, some description. There are some medications, like I said, um, some prescriptions or over-the-counter medications, such as, uh, I believe, thyroid medication, uh, can lead to uh, elevated resting heart rate, uh, while obviously some heart uh, medication like beta blockers tend to slow it down. Um, so just pay attention that if you are on some heart medication, they could be affecting your resting heart rate scores. Females, on average, do tend to have a higher resting heart rate than males. Um, uh, just again the difference between male and females and again this could be related to kind of hormones as females will see females will see also a difference in their resting heart rate due to their their monthly cycle as different phases of the cycle are going to reduce different strain on the body and so on and so forth then the last thing that's going to affect your uh, resting heart rate is stress a higher than average resting heart rate can be a sign that you are chronically, chronically stressed. So that's why it's such an important factor to pay attention to when it comes to how you live your life and to actually conquer stress. I cannot emphasize how important it is to pay attention to your stress levels by looking at your heart rate variability and by looking at your resting heart rate. If you're seeing trends in your resting heart rate increasing and your heart rate variability decreasing, you are overly stressed and you need to take control. It is adamant that we live a less stressed life. Where I would pay attention to when it comes to tracking your resting heart rate. So, if you are seeing between a two to 10 beats per minute above your average resting heart rate, so say you are using an aura ring or a data collector, you will have your average data there, your average resting heart rate. If your resting heart rate is increased between two to 10 beats per minute above is a sign that we are overly stressed and then we need to do something about it. This could be obviously trying to manage stress through breathing, through eating, through exercise, so on and so forth, after all the things I've kind of mentioned. We need to be paying attention to our resting heart rate. So you'll observe, if you start tracking and observing, you will see it will vary day to day and you will find days Maybe travel days, it spikes or travels the stress from the body. So you'll start to see some things, but you'll really start to see some trends, especially with resting heart rate and heart rate variability, where significantly high days, we need to then improve this. But obviously over time, you want your resting heart rate to lower. So you need to be going through your data. Month-to-month um, -month data is my resting heart rate getting lower, and the closer to 50, the better. The closer to 50, the better. I am pushing all of my clients to get a resting heart rate of 50. It's such, it vastly improves your quality of life from a cardiovascular fitness standpoint, from a longevity, from a sleep, from a recovery and everything standpoint. 
do not fall trap that between 70 and 100 is, is fine. It's not. It doubles your chances of suffering from cardiovascular disease in the next 10 years. So we must be paying attention to it. And I know this, obviously, this is me kind of harping on about the importance of it, but this is something that I feel very, very strongly and very, very passionately about. Um, and it's why I kind of I dive really dive deep into this 50th challenge. We should all be pushing ourselves to be the healthiest versions of ourselves and the best versions of ourselves. And by monitoring our health and by getting good, reliable data that isn't what the crap current medical sister churns out uh, medical system churns out like you're actually getting reliable data hopefully from people like myself from people like andrew huberman from people like peter atia um if you are interested in either of those if you don't know who they are uh, andrew huberman has an amazing podcast called huberman lab and peter atia has a phenomenal podcast called the drive they are two fantastic fantastic people to get proper health information from and health insights from so I hope you all enjoyed this episode. There is going to be a series on the fit, like doing a deeper dive into the 5850 challenge. And this was the first one on resting heart rate. To summarize what I've kind of gone through today. Firstly is we need to be paying attention to our resting heart rate. So we need to track it. I highly, highly recommend that everyone on here gets an aura ring. If you don't like the ring personally, get a whoop band, um, Garmin watch, Apple Watch, there are um, heart rate trackers that you can just have like chest straps, which are phenomenal, but get something that can track your heart rate, your resting heart rate. From there, obviously see where your resting heart rate is. The goal is to get it as close to 50 as possible. If you are 75 and above, you double your chances of suffering from a cardiovascular event in the next 10 years compared to someone who has a resting heart rate of 55. Obviously, I've gone through all the factors that kind of affect um, resting heart rate. Just kind of summarize those in a short way. Exercise more. Eat better so we lose body mass, especially specifically body fat. Focus on sleep optimization and consistent bedtime and learn how to manage your stress. They are the four things that I will harp on about until the day I die. Exercise more, eat better, sleep better, manage your stress levels. You guys will see a recurring theme in a lot of my podcasts that they're the four things that I always harp on back about because they're the main four things we need to focus on in life. And with that, I'll end today's episode. Hope you guys all enjoyed it and I will leave you with my favorite quote. Don't wish for it to be easier. Wish for you to be better. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Executive Health Show. If you have any questions based on the information in today's episode or general questions around optimizing your health and cognitive performance, the best place to get hold of me is on LinkedIn. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash Wade Foster MSC and you'll find my profile. Uh, send me a connection request and I'll be happy to answer any questions you've got. Hope you have a great day. Cheers.